0: This is a special edition of Late Night Health, and this is after the elephant. This is a special edition of Late Night Health, as I said, and this is our response and discussion to session five of Identifying the Elephant in the Room, Critical Communication Strategies in the Face of Sexism. Now, we've just heard from leaders in the natural products industry that work in the supplements, ingredients and pet sectors of the industry on what they're seeing and hearing in the industry on the topic of sexism. The goal of our After the Elephant session is to process this information and help us respond to it uh, in a discussion with other thought leaders in the industry, and then challenge the leaders in the industry to make changes, to do some deep work to make meaningful and fundamental changes. Let me introduce everybody. We have uh, Tyshawn Bryant. He is the CEO of Green Regiment. He is in Los Angeles. Uh, we have Thomas Arts, a Founder and Managing Director of Nutrition Business Advisors. Uh, where are you based, uh, Thomas? Uh,
1: San Diego, Del
0: Mar, California. Oh, okay. We're all neighbors here. And then we've got Lillian Cartwright, board member of Naturally New York uh, and she is in New York. So I'm gonna start by asking, we've just watched this interesting panel and I have lots and lots of questions. Tyshawn, I'm gonna start with you. What's your overall feeling of what we just watched?
2: So I would say that we clearly have a, um, a theme here that theme would be that the younger generation is really moving us forward. I, I think of any sort of, or any type of marginalized group um, in the past, and it's usually the younger generation who just doesn't like the old guard and wants to make a change. And a younger generation will make a noise where sometimes the older generation is a bit complacent in their ideologies and that's exactly what we need, so <clears throat> we clearly do have a problem with sexism. clearly, it's an issue, but I look at the positive that we have platforms such as this. we see the younger generation moving us forward, and we're going to learn through this this experience where acceptance is is really what's necessary, and from acceptance, you know we can come to a compromise
0: and make this place a, a, a better place to be. And uh, as part of the older guard, I want to learn and I want to stop it. Uh, Thomas, what is your takeaway from the panel we just watched?
1: Um, well, I, I mean, I learned a lot, uh, Mark, because um, I I told Amy that um, when, even when I had my opening remarks with her, I don't know if you um, either, Lillian or Tyshawn, heard our opening remarks uh, just informal dialogue, but I I was asked to be part of this, and I, my first reaction was, well, I'm not an expert in that because I'm used to speaking as an expert in the industry, um, and this is a topic that you know I, um, it, it's never really been a huge issue for me, but I, I said, you know, in all honesty, that um, it is for others, and I need to be sensitive to the fact that that this is existing, in, you know, in the in our in our industry, which is where I spend all my time, you know, but it's in every industry and um, it's real. Um, And I don't think the opportunities for women and and people of diversity are always equal. Um, And, you know, I, I come from a world where okay, I'm I'm a big believer in meritocracy. So I think, okay, find your way through it. But it's not it's not always a, um, a, a level playing field. And I'm a business guy, so I kind of think in those terms. And I just don't think, I I think life isn't fair all the time. I tell my son that. Um, But in this particular case, the biggest thing I took away is that just the fact that people are talking about it so articulately and coming up with um, ways to think about it that I never thought about before is really alerting me to looking at the world differently when it comes to this. I I think I'll uh, go into the summit this year differently. I think we um, need to... You know, be really aware that uh, we don't have as many women as men. We've got a reputation at the summit as the, you know, the 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 old boys club, which which to some extent was true years ago, but we're really working hard to change that in the last six years. So I learned a lot, and I'm going to look at the world a little differently when it comes to this
0: issue. Got it. And Heather had mentioned that uh, uh, percentages, while they're growing, they're still not where they should be. Uh, Lillian Cartwright from uh, New York. Welcome. What is your takeaway? You.
3: Yeah, it was it was a great session. Um, also similar to Tysha, and I, I think a lot of it isn't super surprising. So it, I didn't mention in my, my intro, I used to, I founded and ran a company called Shelf Life, which was an ingredients marketplace. So um, we were more in the, the naturally derived ingredient space, but some supplements as well. And um, it was a venture back startup that I ran for three years before shutting down uh, earlier this year in January, actually. And I've remained on the board and, and helping out where I can. Um, all that being said, like I think, uh, you know, my reaction is, and I'm I'm working through this on my own. Is that it's hard when the ownership falls on the shoulders of the marginalized population to educate uh, the broader population. But the truth is, like. I think I've learned, especially in the venture capital world, like everything is driven by incentives and everything is driven by metrics. And so if you're not able to find a reason to care, if it doesn't change your life in any way, like you're less likely to take action against it. And so as hard and as frustrating as it is, I think women and minorities in general Um, have to step up and help each other out and also give other people something to listen to and and potentially influence their decisions down the road. Um, In terms of generational changes, too, I think something that I've found is that there are uh, folks in the older generations that actually because they're at this influential um, and 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 um, kind of they've achieved a lot of the goals that they've had uh, that they had set out to achieve. They're in this place to give back and to actually um, influence some key changes. And I think I've um, found comfort and hope in in finding those individuals um, who are at these influential places and also want to see the industry change. But I think the the speakers and and everything going on in the panel, um, really highlighted a lot of that. There's a long way to go. It's great to be having these conversations, but we also need to see the action behind these conversations.
0: You just mentioned the word metrics. By metrics, would that equal dollars? That, that's the bottom line that everybody's carrying about.
3: Dollars, absolutely. I think, um, I believe uh, Heather and uh, Rena were talking about it. Sales, people that are great at sales are leaders. Like, point blank. Everything is sales. Everything is dollars and cents and right. relationships. Um, and so I think you see a lot of men in leadership positions because they have the key relationships and they're also able to put metrics that no one can argue with. And so as women, we also need to, to make sure that um, you know relationships are key and latching onto the people that like you and respect you and care about you is first and foremost important. But secondly, is like we have to have better yeah. metrics Like and and that's the the harsh and terrible reality is that our metrics have to be better than someone else's because we have fewer relationships as well. So, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was
0: the uh, let's talk about the intergenerational concept here. And, Tom, I'm going to go to you because you have a couple of gray hairs, not as many as I do, but a few. Uh, So you're obviously maybe over 30 or 32 do you see a difference between the generations that in how they they're approaching, you know, inclusion of of all people?
1: Uh, great. That's a great question. I um I don't have a lot of employees uh, in my small advisory firm, but I work with a lot of teams uh, across all generations. Um, and i have uh, uh, two um, female employees one is my executive assistant and she's a Gen x and the other um, one is uh, my research manager and she's gen z um and i think do i do i work with a millennial somewhere in there i i, I maybe not directly um so is the question how do the different generations? Uh, how do they kind of perceive and act around just the concept of inclusion? Is that is that the question? Yeah,
0: I, I mean, do older older people just discredit it? Say it doesn't exist. It, it's it's over. It's the twenty first yeah. century. <laughs> um. Uh.
1: Yeah, I think to some extent um, we do. I mean, I think I said up front. Um, I know it's an important topic. Um, but I sometimes just don't—I don't think about it enough, and and I need to, be, you know, have it brought to my attention, um, such that, um, uh, I mean, I've been told by several advisors of mine, you know, like that I need to be more careful with my communication, even though I don't think I've been inappropriate. But they—they—they they, they said, Tom, you're in a position where, you know, you're out there, you're in front, um, people are watching. You know, you have to be a more um, uh, I don't want to say more perfect, but you have to be more aware, more cognizant of your language. I'm a mm-hmm. entrepreneur, a promoter, and sometimes I'm, you know, I'm an ex- extrovert, so I'm outgoing. Um, so, you know, I'm social. Uh, and they said, you know, you need to be extra special careful as you, as your stature and your, you know, your, your more responsibility in the industry. Your people are watching, and even if they didn't perceive it a certain way, you need to be careful. I mean, like, I'll be really. I'll be really specific at the risk of being vulnerable is like, you know, that like Joe Biden gets all this crap for like, uh, you know, being um, uh, touchy feely or something, you know, and and, uh, and I, I think he's had a lot of advice as president, you don't do that. Right? <laughs> but, he you know, he's done that in the past and, and it even came up in the campaign. And when I go to um, the social functions in the industry, which I went to many of from the ages of like, you know, 35 or 40 to I'm 63 now so I've got some gray hair. I'm just hiding it. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think that I, yes, I mean, there's a, we're an industry where there's a lot of hugging and there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, if there's some, um, party, party, parties, and maybe there's some alcohol or whatever. And then there's more, um, you know, sort of, uh, some people are sort of, uh, comfortable with giving people hugs or, or, uh, maybe, you know, not touching them. Cause I don't, you know, I don't do that, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that's a, a hugger, right? And I, and that's a good industry for me to be in, but I have to be careful. Like now I think twice about like if I meet somebody for the first time, um, even if it's at a party, you know, I'm I'm even if I'm talking to them, I'm, I'm less likely to give them a hug or you suggest a hug or even give them a, a kiss on the cheek or something. I think I'm more aware. Sometimes that kind of like bothers me because I like wish it was not such a big deal, but I realize I have to be aware of it as an older generation person that this is a real uh, topic and I just need to be a little more careful. That's all. I mean, that that was a long answer to your question. I can't answer how Gen Zs and Gen Xs handle it. I think we probably have some of those on the
0: uh, group. I was going to ask Tyshawn. There's intent and somebody who is absolutely, I won't, I I don't want to work with women or I don't want to work with a transgender or I don't want to work with somebody of color. I mean, it's all to me, it's all stupid to me, but it's all in the same, you know, box. Do you find that there are that as as a male in the industry that you are sometimes not knowingly, Saying something that could be insensitive to a woman.
2: So I can say this, I guess. Well, clearly I'm not in the youngest generation, and I'm not in the older generation, so I'd, I'd be there in the middle. But what I could say is, I do feel that you can be in certain situations where you might feel as if you're just being yourself, and maybe as as Tom suggested, you know, maybe a little touchy feely. And for years that's been fine. No one's ever said anything about it, right? Not saying that it was right back, but again, no one's saying anything about it. Now all of a sudden we have what feels like a wave of, of incidences where people are calling situations like this out and it's a bit alarming. So I think as, um, as a male in this industry and even as a black male in this industry, what you do is you, you realize that things are changing and you have to be comfortable with change. If you're not comfortable with change, then you're going to end up finding out that you're going to get passed over, right? Um, you're going to get left behind for the most part. You know the idea or the concept of uh, safe spaces for all came up during the during the, um, the the talk, and as I'm listening, I'm thinking, okay, I agree about having safe spaces for all, but in my opinion, I feel that's secondary. Because if we're being open and honest, the sexism isn't equal. Women are the ones who are really experiencing it more than men. Right. So if we could be honest about that, then let's take care of that issue first. Men, for the most part, aren't complaining about uh, sexism, uh, like they're they're not they're not feeling that they are the object of. A lot of these issues, they don't feel like they're but what, hey,
0: let me interrupt you, but what about a man who is who feels he may be discriminated because he is a man? Is that sexism?
2: That's definitely sexism, but at the same time, he's a man, correct? So I think with, with a lot of and obviously you know situations are, are very nuanced, but I think at some point, one party has to sit there. And take some of that pain, because the pain has been endured by the woman for so long. And as men, we've seen it, haven't spoken about it, right? Brian. But we consider we consider ourselves men. So why not, right? Sit there and listen, take it in, see how we're going to how we can help, right? Um, we can we can talk amongst each other clearly, but it's very important to bring someone in, like a woman, for example to give us their perspective, because if not, then we're gonna to try to solve this issue on our own. And if we're the ones who are causing the issue, how are we going to effectively solve this issue, right? So kind of said a lot there, but I do feel that we do have to take a step back as men
0: and yeah. actually take some of this heat. Thank you. sir, sure. uh, Lillian, the, the idea of disc- of, of, of sexism, but not meaning to do it. Have you, what's your thought on that? In other words, it's not intentional. They go, uh, um, you're at a convention and, and we, we mentioned this on our last episode that, uh, oh, Lillian, would you make the, the arrangements for dinner? Or, or could you bring in coffee for everybody? Because you're the only woman in the, in the room. I mean, I don't know that that's intentional, but it is, to me, in my mind, definitely a sexist statement.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I think first it's important to always call out those statements and also <laughs> refuse to do that action. I mean, if if someone is um, asking so how, you to do I mean, that.
1: How, do you, how would you call that out? Just uh, if um, maybe it's even happened. what How would you do What would be the dialogue back? I, I'm curious.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would. I'm I'm a little bit more confrontational than most, I would say. So my first thing would be putting it back on them and saying, well, why did you ask me to do that and and try to get them to yeah. think a little bit more about, you know, oh, like you, you know, you caught me off guard. Like, why am I asking you to go grab the coffee? Oh, I thought you were so. And why did you think that? And like, so I, I would say um, I have had more teaching moments than I would like to admit, but even just refusing to do it and saying that's not my job, um, perhaps you should ask someone whose job that is, I think is, is a fine response. I, I, again, I mean it as terrible as, as it is, I think women and, and any sort of marginalized group um, does need to speak up in those times and hopefully there are allies that will speak up before you even have to, but a lot of times that doesn't happen um, and I, it's happening more and more but um, that's just like the harsh harsh reality and I, I think I mean these are societal generational norms that have been taught since before any of us were born and so it's 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 a hard thing that takes time and I think um, just because you don't mean to do it um, no one's saying you're a terrible person but People are expecting you know you to step up and change. Uh, as right. a result, so I think um, being on the defensive is fine. Uh, it's like a natural response. But how are you, gonna how are you going to do next time, wow. and and potentially even make up for for some of the times where you were uh, prejudiced in in any sort of way, or or stereotyping, or whatever it may be.
0: And when Amy asked me if I would host the after the elephant and I said immediately yes because I want to learn I don't want to I don't want to make those mistakes I don't want to in unintentionally you know ask you to bring us coffee I have two legs two arms my feet work I can go get my own coffee and so I I don't ever remember doing that I may have But I want to, I do want to be called out. I want to, hey, you can go get your own or you make the reservation. Right.
3: Well, I mean, you can, I don't mind people bringing me coffee, you know, so it's just about who do you assume is going to bring you coffee, I think is the difference um, as well. And I think too, it comes back in these conversations of like, men want to learn these days how not to get called out for their actions because it could potentially jeopardize their standing and their career sometimes whereas i'm like what about giving a woman a promotion because like she deserves it and like so what about taking really big bold actions to level the playing field i think is it's funny in these conversations i think they so quickly Turn into like, well, what is considered sexist, and what should I do, or what should I not do? Um, when to me, like, my ears perk up when it's like, okay, this industry is thirty-seven percent women. What percentage is in leadership positions? How do we change that? Like, that's the bottom line. It's not about mm-hmm. you know, how many hugs and kisses you should or shouldn't give. I mean, that again is is absolutely first. I first like that. More. I
1: like that bottom line thinking. That's that's. Uh... <laughs> Bring it back to what's important,
3: (laughs) like we need leadership. We need women in leadership. Like that's how this stuff changes. Um, And I think. Obviously, if you're harassing people in the workplace, no matter who you are, that is not tolerated. Um, But you also shouldn't be tiptoeing around that problem. You should really be looking at, like, how do we make this? So it's not a second thought. You know who's giving who's getting coffee because the person always looks different
0: with with that in mind um heather brought up career advancement okay bringing women into leadership roles do men do something different to advance that women don't do who would like to start with that Does sean
2: well i will say that it was shocking to hear that men can present themselves at a 60% confidence level and women have to present themselves at a 100% confidence level.
0: See, here's the thing. If the woman was that, is-
1: was that, was, that a, was that a statistically validated statistic or an opinion or like, that, like yeah?
0: We have to ask Heather.
2: <laughs> yeah, she didn't okay, cite okay. the source, but it sounded oh, like yeah. it was, <laughs> at least it was presented in that fashion. Yeah, I heard that um, too. That was shocking, right? Very, very shocking. Um, are men doing anything different? Well, if men are in the position of authority, right, then I would assume that they would have the upper hand with getting that promotion for the most part, as it stands currently. I mean, we, we clearly see that there's a there's a trend here. and Men have been in these positions for a while. Clearly, this is changing. It's going to take some time, but I do feel that uh, something that... um Renna said as well, is she said that she learned what was necessary in order to become a good salesperson. And she made sure that she followed pretty much that path. So it's one of those things where you know what you're up against and you know what you need to to know in order to deal with your up against. So I feel that, yes, um, men are somewhat, especially with this confidence situation, men have in the past had the easier time with climbing up the corporate ladder clearly things are changing but i do feel that women knowing that things are changing can now have more confidence and understanding that they will have those opportunities in the future
0: i do want to talk about solutions and your ideas about solutions for this but i wanted to talk about something that harper said that transgender people need to take a risk to advance. And it brought to mind aggressive people versus assertive people. Women are often thought of as aggressive, even though they're actually acting assertive. And Lillian, I'll I'll ask you to respond first
3: yeah i mean um i think all of this comes down to everyone including myself like their inherent biases things that they were born to believe things you see in popular culture like men are leaders they're confident they you know i mean there has not been a female president so it's like it's (laughs) why are they getting promoted like it's very i i am am I mean, my prejudice towards women and minorities is something that I have to like subconsciously shift. Like if someone's coming to me, we tend to ask people that we don't typically see in leadership positions very very prying questions, very negative questions. Whereas to the to men, say you're interviewing for a job, everything's kept optimistic. Everything is about please tell me more about your successes, tell me tell me more how this this idea could be a billion dollar company versus Now, why do you think that could work or why did you make that career move or we don't think you have enough experience doing x y and z and so um, all that's to say is like the first step is just to be aware that you could come across that way um but you have to be authentic to yourself and ultimately ultimately these decisions are about relationships and as terrible as it is i feel like in my position, I just have to turn over more stones to find the right people that will give me the opportunities that I believe I deserve Um, and show the other like the people who said no, uh, what they what they missed out on like that. It sucks. But I think like that's the only way that I can keep hope alive. I can't change myself. I'm not. I tried assimilation for a while and I still feel like I'm living in a in a assimilated society, but but I can't I can't like hide behind different narratives and different personas um, when I'm in front of different audiences. So um, I think just when you're in the position of power, just keeping that in mind, um, and and trying to like look past uh, anything that you might have been conditioned to believe.
0: I uh, I, I just thought while, we, while you were talking, Lillian. Uh, of a broadway show avenue q i don't know if you've seen it or not there's a song in there and the title of the song is everybody is a little bit racist so do you think everybody is a little bit sexist tom
1: are you gonna you're gonna ask me that question
0: absolutely (laughs) oh
1: man um I mean, my dad, you know, my dad was not sexist. He was a bit of a, a male chauvinist. Um, um, he was a good man. And, you know, there's a great book um, that I don't know if you you uh, you guys are aware of this book, Lillian, or it's called Iron John, and brought um, yeah. by Robert Bly. And it was written about the generation of men that came out of um, World War II mm-hmm. in the 50s and brought their families up. And um you know sort of like um that you know he didn't mention the word chauvinism in the book uh, but if you if you read the book um you, you can understand the culture and there's, there's no excuses but um so my dad was you know uh de- he definitely he was brought up liberal and he's brought up i i think he's one of these guys that never really thought about it but when push came to shove if you like forget you said what's the classic definition of a male chauvinist you know zero to ten He's probably like, if I'm all in honest, he's like, he's at a, a seven or six, you know, in his early career, um, and probably, you know, bringing up the family. So somebody once told me that you, you've inherited that—that that came down from the DNA pool of your dad. You can't help but be a little chauvinist. Um, and so I thought, no, I'm not chauvinist at all. I'm different than my dad, you know. And so, uh, but then I started thinking, you know, hey, I haven't done anything that is even close to that, or have I done any behaviors if I look back and do my personal development? And yeah, there's a couple times where I just probably said something or did something because it came down from my dad. So that I, I kind of dodging your question a little bit about sexism, but I inherited some of that. And some people have called me out on that. And I've tried to work on that a little bit and develop it. Uh, but it came from, you know, my dad. And, and so there it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not my dad, by the way. I, I,
0: <laughs> L- Lily, and you smiled when Man. I mentioned that's Avenue. That's right. Q. Yeah, so. <laughs> when I mentioned Avenue Q, um, what's your thought? Is everybody a little bit sexist?
3: Um, I I would rather say like, you know, I think there are a lot of of, of pieces written on on like, hey, can black people be racist? Can women be sexist? Um, The bottom line is like, yes, everyone has biases that are pro-cis male. Like, I mean, (laughs) that's just the society we all grew up in. And I think, um, but I I don't think that like marginalized groups can necessarily be sexist. They can have these biases that they're working against. They can have prejudices. um, But I think sexism implies uh the the like aggressive and and kind of like you're you're acting against the the actual sex and you're intentionally doing so and so um but yes i think we're all raised in in a similar society unfortunately and and um, we we look at different genders in very different ways um so I think I'm guilty of that and as much as anyone else in any other generation.
0: In our remaining few minutes, I'm gonna ask each of you the following question, and this is the hardest question yet. Solutions. I'll start with you, Tashan. What solutions do we implement today to C-level board members, C-level leadership? What do they need to do today to make this equal for everyone.
2: So if you wanted to start today, you have to make it intentional, meaning we have to tie in this this sort of change with the, let's just say with the finances of the company, meaning we need perhaps a third party organization not a bunch of them because then it just becomes a money racket but uh, a third party organization who perhaps will you know put on various types of sexism programs very clear though because for example there are plenty of companies who will say oh yeah sure we'll, we'll do it but perhaps we have to tie it into uh, some sort of fining if they don't uh, if they don't capitulate to the to the program because there's no way that it's going to happen on its own and as I said earlier, with the younger generation, you have to continuously make noise. You have to continuously have unrest until eventually we'll, we see change. So, if we want it to happen immediately, then we're going to have to institute certain policies and a uh, certain structure that ties in directly to the company. And for example, if we have a situation where a company doesn't want to be a part of it, then they probably have to be outed on, on some level until they change their minds.
0: Tom, I'm going to ask you the same hard question.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, um, uh, I'm going to answer it in a, in a kind of a capitalist way, because because that's kind of what I am, an entrepreneur and a capitalist. And and I really like Lily, and I know she's um, an investor and looks at companies and stuff. And and, and for me, it just comes down to uh, incentives. And um, and when when we look at you know, companies and I mean, I'll give you the simple solution not to be sort of overly simplistic or platitudinal, but I'll steal what Lillian said. It's like we need more women leaders. Right. And if we have more women CEOs and more women leaders um, and, and, and people of diversity as well. I mean I say women, I'll just use it, as, you know, diverse, diverse diversity as well. We need we need more people like that in positions making decisions. Um, and I guess there's no better example than the summit again, which I know best because I've been you know dedicated 26 years of my life to it. So when um, you know I was the co-chair with my partner who started MBJ, Grant Ferrier, and we were you know went went along our merry way and started it. Uh, in, we started 98 actually, and then we we ran it through 2000. Um, seven or something i can't remember and then after that there was various co-chairs uh, mostly men but then when carlotta came on as co-chair and I, I said this morning, i didn't remember when i think it was five six seven years ago um, then everything changed because uh not only was actually did she own the event because the company i, I sold it to them so she actually was the co-chair with more decision-making power right And so, but she didn't. She doesn't lead that way. She leads through persuasion. And Lillian knows her because she's um, naturally bolder, a board member. And she leads through like you know example and um, you know maybe gentle persuasion and maybe um, this is the right thing to do and open my eyes. But as the person who is a leader, everything's changed at the summit because of that. And I'm on a private. I work with the private equity firms and I work with those guys. And I, I sometimes I look around the room and you know it's like again all white guys, right? And I'm like, and then they're, they're putting people in board positions and they're helping, you know, promote managers. And, you um, know, and I point out sometimes, hey, the board has, you know, like no women on it. That's not OK. Right. And uh, we have to we have to fix that. So being aware of it. So then if you get a woman on the board, right, or a woman properly gets promoted to become CEO, then change happens that way. And, th- and I think that is where the rubber
0: hits the road and Lillian will ask you the same question what can we do what are solutions that need to be implemented now
3: yeah absolutely i mean i believe in in like mandates like we need to have 50-50 women men we need to have it reflects the population at large in terms of minorities on board positions and also in leadership roles um the sad thing is that typically comes from the top and the top looks a certain way and so um but I firmly believe in like if you're in a position of power make those priorities like make those calls and and make it a hard and fast rule I think you're seeing people in positions of power even as a founder raising venture capital certain founders will say I don't want investors that don't have any female partners or don't have any black partners. I don't I don't want them on my cap table. They're not getting a piece of my company. And that hits people's bottom line. (laughs) They miss out on deals. And so I think that's something immediately if you're in a position to do that, you can make it happen. But women everywhere and minorities everywhere and myself included. um, When I entered the working world, I won't deny this, like I was out for myself and I'm thinking I need to be the woman that gets promoted. I need to be the black person that gets promoted, but I'm not really looking out for everyone else. And then it took me a while to realize unless I'm looking out for other people and they see people like me in positions of power, you know, I'm not going to get promoted either. Like we can all lift each other up or we all fail. So it's like, as a woman and as a minority, I need to help out other Black founders. I need to help out other female founders. Um, And I really need to, like, we all need to support each other so that we can rise to the top and not necessarily play into this society of like, oh, well, there can only be 20% of us, so I'm going to be that 20%. Like, no, no, no. It's going to be even, and we have to, like, make it happen.
0: Thank you all for uh, joining us here on After the Uh, the elephant. I appreciate your points of view. I'll ask you to hold on for a couple of moments while I I read a a statement here and introduce next week's program. This is actually our last after the uh, elephant. This has been a special edition of Late Night Help and our response and discussion panel to session five of Identifying the Elephant in the Room, Critical Communication Strategies in the Face of Sexism. Join us next Thursday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern for our uh, ideation, activation, and final session of the series. I'll be hosting that panel along with Amy Summers, who, again, has done a marvelous job in organizing and picking panels and allowing me to host and, and talk, uh, which is obviously, I talk a lot. Um, We'll be hearing from some of the elephant in the room attendees next week who will share their ideas, hopefully inspired from this series, on ways to improve the natural products industry so it's a healthy and successful place to work for everyone. Uh, Make sure you're registered for Elephant in the Room so you can go back and watch any of the sessions you missed before next week, our final session. Go to invincibox.vfairs.com to, rent, uh, to register. And I'm going to spell that out, even though it's not on our screen right now. inicivo vfairs.com. That's inicivo to register. And as I said, this has been our last post-response and discussion on after the, uh, after the Elephant for Late Night Health. I'm Mark Allen. Let's keep the conversation going uh, so we can continue to say goodbye, elephants.